The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average garage door is made up of 1.3-millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know, your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know, a runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. Two days away from your NFL draft. Welcome into Stacking the Box. Berteram, big news, buddy. You have an offensive tackle landing in Kansas City. The Chiefs sending their first-round pick. That was number 31 overall, third-rounder, 94 overall. The first of their two fourth-round picks, 136 overall, and their 22 fifth-round pick all to Baltimore for Orlando Brown and the Ravens' second-round pick. And uh, this year at 58 overall, their 22 sixth-round pick as well. Huge trades, kind of stunning. Brown wanted to be a left tackle. He gets to be one in Kansas City. You are Mr. Kansas City, even though you're not from Kansas City. And by the way, you're wearing a bowling shirt today. You kind of look ridiculous. What are you wearing? And then just after that, please respond to this trade. So I'm wearing a bowling shirt, wearing a golf polo. I'm going to, I'm going to play golf after work today. So I'm wearing a that golf is not ball. a golf shirt. You are going bowling or nightclub. It's an Adidas golf shirt. It's not buttoned all the way down. You dope. <laughs> you buttoned at the top. What are you talking about? It does say A D D eight. Yeah, out of zero. It's just their their brand, I guess. Okay, you you look you look fantastic. First of all, okay, the the polo shirt. I first of all, first first of all, I do not own a bowling shirt. Okay. Um, second of all, yeah, I'm not 90. Um, second of all, I'm going golf. I'm getting my second shot today. Okay. Congrats. Thank you. So right afterwards, before I go into that, like hay fever mode, uh, when I, when I'm sick for a day, I'm going to play golf. I'm going to go hit some shots. Uh, get the clubs out for the first time. I've got some new Callaway irons. Wow. Looking to, uh, yep. Looking to, looking to make some moves. Cause I look on the golfer who I like to have a good time. I'll shoot like mid to high nineties. That's fine. I'm not worried about shooting in the eighties, but I also don't want to shoot like 112 either. So didn't, didn't me, you Hill and Patrick Allen go golfing yes. once you don't yes. shoot. You shoot in the nineties on a, on a horrendous course. You put you on a good course. You are in the one, you are one ten at best buddy. That is first of all, how would you know you were on the phone the whole time? Uh, second of all, no, I, I, uh, we played. We played the played, worst course. Oh, that that ever. wasn't even a course. That was a field. Okay, <laughs> no, no. 
in New York, where is 95 cent time where I've played golf, which is an actual course. Um, uh, and I'll shout him out because I love the course, Tanana Lake up, uh, up in, up in Roscoe, New York. There you go. I usually shoot anywhere between like 94 and 97. That's typically now that being said, if I paid it, if I played it like best plate page black, I shoot 120 stack in the box fans to never believe anyone who says they've shoot in a three shot window who, how many times do you play golf here? Four oh, times. Oh God. I mean, I, I probably, I, I, I would reasonably say five times every summer. I, I mean, shoot yeah. every time 94 to 97, this is, that's this about, the, I I'm giving you the, it's about, well, geez, I mean, I'm not, I'm not vacillating between 70 and 130. Well, I, I would say you're, I bet your range is a 20 shot range on, uh, if no, on your five rounds. God, no, maybe, maybe, maybe at the most, maybe like an eight shot range. I mean, it's usually, it's usually in the nineties. It's usually now that said, um, my game is predictable from this standpoint. My drive has a, has a nasty slice to the right. So I set up like I'm going to hit the ball on a 45 degree angle to the left. And then it hooks back and or slices back rather. And then my iron game is the part of my game. That's where the, that's where the shot differential comes in. Listen. I have some days where I hit the irons fine and I do well. I have, which is by the way, why I got Callaway irons because my other iron set was a train wreck or I'm chunking the ball left and right. Now my putting is what saves my score. Cause that's actually by a mile, so, the best part. So, of so let me just, and we'll get on football in a second here, yeah. but let me just yeah. break down Verderam for everybody. Cause the people need to know this. You have great hand-eye coordination. We used to have a tremendous basketball hoop in our old office. We would play horse on a three foot hoop that was actually fairly challenging because we had a bad t- we had a terrible ball and the whole thing and you constantly won those games you you have a you have a good solid hand eye i've played basketball with you i've never seen a slower player on the hoop court oh, but oh god oh, yeah no no movement's not my forte right so and then golf you know there's just a lot of components to put together here i i, I bet you could be a really good golfer actually if you played a lot you know what i don't but know but you're I not play. there no, God, no, no. I, I go for the drink cart and mm-hmm. uh, to shoot, like like I said. I mean, if I shoot in the, in the mid-90s, I'm good. I'm happy. Like, the, the buddy I'm going with today, he'll shoot like an 83 and be annoyed about it, which is just mind-blowing to me. Like, I, if I ever shot – I one time shot in the 80s. One time. Shot in 89. I, I and, and, and it was lucky. So I'll be the first to admit it. Like, there were, there were two different holes. I chipped in from, like, 60 feet. Like it was stuff like that. Like it was things that that I'm not repeating. It's a great uh, feeling when when you when you're when you have it going. If it, if it's for one hole, yeah. I mean, just stuff that was like I remember I hit one shot. I was I, I hit a tee shot in the woods on ten, and the way the hole sat, it was like a ramp up to the to the green, which was flat on on the top. And I was probably about 110, 120 yards away. I hit a nine and. I thought I overshot the green because you can't really see it in the ball. And we walked up there. I swear to you, I was like six inches from the pin. It's the greatest shot I've ever hit. And I thought it was a hideous shot off the club. So just that goes to show kind of how I, how often I play golf. I thought it was hideous and it almost went in. So I'm going to bring this back to, to the trade this way. So will chiefs fans be seeing Orlando Brown on a golf course in Kansas city in two years. Cause he is a free agent at the he end is. of the year. Are we going to fall in love well with done. him? Uh, is he going to love Kansas city? All of that. And what do you think of the trade? Orlando Brown, you met six, eight, three on a golf Big course. Boy. 
that, big boy. That, 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 I bet he got he's got a good drive though. Um, all right, so look, my first of all, from talking to people around the trade, my understanding is the Chiefs are not going to resign him this year. They're going to let the contract play out, and then at the end of the year, they would talk about potentially an extension or even if they have to tag him and then try to extend him or whatever. Um, it is something that the Chiefs envision as a long-term play. Uh, but look, I think the odds are that yeah, he'll be there for a, a long time. I don't think the Chiefs make a move like this with the idea that hey, we're gonna we're just gonna have him for one or two years. Now, if something happens, he has injuries or he doesn't play well, then that's why you maybe don't sign him to a huge extension right now. You want to see him for a full year at left tackle in your system, the whole nine yards. He played 800 snaps last year at left tackle, did not give up a sack, did not give up a quarterback hit. He was great. He's 24 years old. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. Um, he fixes their biggest need. They desperately needed a left tackle. They now do not need a left tackle. And quite honestly, I was shocked that Baltimore traded him to Kansas City. I really yeah. was. So that's where I get in here because we all agree, right, that the Ravens, if they're not the toughest competition for the Chiefs, they're Denver, certainly – Right, so yep. top three. Yes. And – you don't like to make trades that will help out your competition, let alone your main competition. And this trade, I think everyone's looking around saying, okay, Chiefs are the favorite again. They've had a very aggressive offseason reshaping their offensive line. I mean, this has been Brett Veach's goal clearly since the season ended. Uh, and, and he hasn't stopped you. Joe Thune, Kyle Long. Um, was Austin, how do you say his last name, Vertoram? Blythe Blith. Thune. No, no. Oh, Blythe, 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 right. So yeah. you've had not, so, I mean, it, it, it hasn't stopped. They have, you know, you saw Patrick Mahomes getting walloped in the Super Bowl against the Bucks. Okay. Well, not that they needed even that piece of evidence to further cement that they had to rework their offensive line, but here they are. And now six, eight, 345 pounds coming rolling in here, but the Ravens were willing to make the deal because a, they're getting a the first round traffic. There's a ton of tackles uh, in the draft that people like, and so they, I guess they thought it was worth the risk, which is uh, certainly aggressive, right? Yeah, it is. Look, I view this trade in two ways. For Kansas City, my understanding from talking to sources around the deal is there was, there was a concern over the fact, and, and a lot of teams, I think, are having this struggle. So there was no combine this year where normally all the medical stuff is done. The NFL's handled the medical side, and they basically sent out the, the medical reports on the top 150 NFL prospects. Well, I think you know my understanding is once Kansas City got those reports back and then plugged in their final pro day numbers with all the guys that they're interested in potentially drafting, they looked at the board and said, we probably ought to make a phone call or two and see what we can do a tackle. That led them about two weeks ago, now two and a half weeks ago, to make a call to the Ravens, say, hey, what about Orlando Brown? Baltimore engaged. The trade happened over the course of two weeks. Um, if you're the Chiefs, I don't know how you don't do this trade. Like, take take out next year's picks, like the fifth and the sixth rounders, because that is essentially just in the wash, okay? The Chiefs realistically traded a first-round pick for Orlando Brown, and they traded their third and fourth-round picks for Baltimore's second. Like, I don't know if you're the Chiefs, how you don't do that trade. Like, yeah, you got to pay him potentially down the road here, but why wouldn't you do that? Like, I, I don't know how if you're Kansas City, you don't do that. Also with the added, of course, bonus that you're protecting Mahomes. Right. And listen, I get it. 
it I you know who I feel bad for on this one? Buffalo? No, no. I I I just, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm very sentimental, Verderam. I, I love an Eric Fisher. I, I love a, a, okay. a Mitchell I love a Mitchell Schwartz and that ship has sailed. I still buy I don't know that it has. Really? Uh it sailed on Eric Fisher. Okay, I don't know so that it sailed on Mitchell Schwartz. That's interesting because you would you would think after this active of an offseason, both those guys and Eric Fisher's reportedly talking to multiple teams out there. Yep. So, so, you know, he's going to play somewhere and we don't know if Mitchell Schwartz is planning to play. You probably know better than anyone if he is because of your connection to the Schwartz family, which is a great family. I love the um, hashtag Jeff Schwartz, but okay. So you're saying he actually could come back, which I just, you know, listen, they, they, these guys have been long, long, long time contributors and, uh, they deserve a little moment of 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 uh, respect here on the show. No doubt. Look, well, Fisher Fisher's going to end up in the Chiefs Hall of Fame. So will Schwartz, by the way. Um, look, the reason I say what I say about Mitch Schwartz is it's unknown if he's going to play next year. You talk to people around that situation, and and you, you're basically told it's fifty fifty, maybe even a little less than fifty fifty. Um, although to be to be totally upfront and transparent, I haven't checked in in that on that in terms of whether he'll play again in about a month. So. He's in the process of rehabbing his back. Maybe those percentages have changed a little bit. Um, he's building a house. In fact, he has built a house. He's still adding on to it in Kansas City. Plans to stay there post-retirement. Um, he's 32. and He might just walk away. But if he plays, my understanding is Kansas City would essentially have the first right of refusal there. And if you're the Chiefs, you're going to start Lucas Niang over Mitchell Schwartz. Like, I think you have to bring Mitchell Schwartz back and say, look, Lucas, you're sitting for your rookie year because he was a, he was an opt-out from COVID last year, so the contract didn't toll. So for Niang, this is the first of his four-year rookie deal, right? So if, if you're the Chiefs, you were going to sit him anyway last year for the first year of his deal. If Schwartz is healthy and, and let's just say August 1st, and say, I want to come back, I think if you're Kansas City, you're bringing Mitchell Schwartz back. Like they have the cap space to do it. So – I think you would. Now, Fisher is a different story. I think, yes, that 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 bird is cooked, barring something very odd happening. I don't think the same is true of Schwartz. I do think if he comes back, he, there's going to be a ton of interest around the league. Um, I, I know that a half, at least at least about half the league is checked in on him. But I think, and no, if he comes back, Kansas City would be option one. And then you kind of go from there. Um, but listen, they have Brown. They have Tooney now on the, on the left side. They have Blight at the center. They upgrade there. They have Laurent Duvernay-Tardif and Kyle Long at right guard. And I'm also told, too, if Duvernay-Tardif and Long are both fantastic in camp and the Chiefs are trying to figure out which guy to put at right guard, there's a scenario where they'll play both of them at guard and kick Tooney inside because Tooney is told that she's in loves playing center. So that's another option. Chiefs have a lot of options here. Options are good. The Chiefs are the favorites. That's right. That's our overall synopsis. They were already the favorites. I'll say real, real quick. I don't understand why Baltimore made this trade. And I've thought about this for four days. And and I I understand that people say, well, you get the best value. It doesn't matter who you trade him to. That that's bullshit. Like you it does matter who you trade him to. It absolutely matters. Like if Chris Jones wanted out of Kansas City, you think they're going ahead and trading him to Buffalo? Like they don't they don't think he's that good, Bertram, right? He's a they, two-time Pro Bowl. He's 24 years old. I, I, I understand. They, there's, 
There's got to be. If that's the case, they better be right. Because they if they're not right and he's good, that's a train wreck. If if listen, if they thought that he was a stud left tackle, which is what he thinks, I think Baltimore clearly thinks you're you hey, you're great on the right side. We love you there. But if you think you're a bona fide left tackle because that's where your dad told you to play and that's where the money is, well, have at it, pal. And by the way, we're gonna Maybe we actually might impact Kansas City in a way that they don't even think, and we'll take I, their first-round pick. I mean, look, if that's the way it shakes, then good on Baltimore, but there's no evidence to suggest that he can't play left tackle. I mean, he played it last year and was great. So I have my – and look, the other, and, and then we move on. But I thought about this long and hard, and I went and did some research. The last time, to my knowledge, the two teams that are legit contenders in the same conference made a deal with each other of consequence was August of 1992. The 49ers sent Charles Haley to the Cowboys for his second and third round pick. Haley immediately won two Super Bowls with Dallas the next two years, and they beat the Niners in both of the NFC title games, and Haley terrorized them. Like, I... I just look at that and say, if you're the Ravens, you're the, the Chiefs are who you're chasing. You're not chasing Pittsburgh. You're not chasing Cleveland. You're chasing Kansas City. And by losing Brown and allowing them to add Brown, you've made your job even harder. I just that's how I see it. Maybe, maybe it's proven wrong, but I do not get it. I am shocked that Baltimore dealt him to Kansas City. You no, know, for the record, if I was the Ravens, I would not have done this deal. I, I'm with you, but understanding their logic that's the only way that i get to it you don't think he's you don't think he's a bona fide left tackle otherwise you're not getting i mean you'd be completely asinine the the dude is six eight three hundred and forty five pounds and he's got a 10-year career in front of him you're not making that deal uh but then again the ravens never have actually you know one organization of the year although they i don't know I, in general, I, I do trust that they know what they're doing. I don't know. This is – it could turn out to be a win-win, but if, there's no really such thing, right, as a win-win in this particular situation. Because if Kansas City's winning, Baltimore's losing and or vice versa, I guess. Um, all right. It was interesting, super interesting right before the draft. I, I give yep. Brad, Brad Veach and the Chiefs a lot of credit for how they've gone about their offseason. Let's, uh, let's take a look at Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback who – his name is bouncing all over this draft as we go into our into the future segment. Where do you think he lands here, Verderam? How far is he going to fall? I don't think he's getting past Denver. Uh, now, if he gets past Denver, then it gets really interesting. Then he could fall down deep into the teens, right? Like, because Denver's at nine. Now, I will say this. I, I am uh, friends with uh, – Benjamin Albright, who, who does a great job out in Denver covering the team, is usually spot on. He does not feel they're going to draft the quarterback. He feels like they might trade for Bridgewater, which certainly is a possibility. I I just – well, I don't doubt his information. I tend to believe that Denver just – if Justin Fields is sitting there at nine, I feel like Denver would almost be compelled to take him. Like, they'd almost have to take him. Now, if he gets past Denver, I don't think he gets past New England. Okay, and New England's at 15 right now. They could certainly move up. I have a hard time seeing New England with all the needs they have on offense, and they filled some of them in free agency. They're not going to take him. Like, I, I couldn't see that. But then, you know, if he gets to, 
let's say he gets to 10, 11, 12. That opens up the door for Washington, for Chicago, for Pittsburgh, for New Orleans to say, hey, we're willing to trade up, you know, if we like the quarterback. I, I think I I think if he gets into the teens, it's it's insane. But uh my my gut feeling is you will not get past Denver at nine. So I think he's going seven. I, okay. Detroit. Uh, I, yeah, well, and I, I think De- I, I think Detroit's trading out of there, and okay. someone's and someone's taking him. I think that's probably wise. I think you're not. I don't think you're wrong. I, New England could go from fifteen to seven. That would make a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, th- that makes the most sense. You know, you you just you just laid it out here. Washington, where are you at? Chicago, where are you at? Who do you like? Who can you make a deal with? Tougher for the Bears, I would think. In theory, to the way we're starting the show with Baltimore and Kansas City, not exactly the same, but Detroit's making a trade with Chicago and helping them to get their quarterback. I don't think so. So I don't, you know, and I don't see the Bears uh, being that aggressive. Bears have eight picks, though, for the record. Now, three of them are in the sixth round. So I, Brian Pace is going to be doing some wheeling and dealing on this day. What it is, I have no idea. I, back forward somewhere, they're going to do it. But I, I think. If I had a bet on it, I bet New England moves from fifteen to seven. And I think it's them. totally possible. I mean, New England is is got New England is absolutely a team to watch with this. They need a quarterback. Like this idea that Cam is the guy. Come on, I mean, Cam threw eight touchdown passes last year, and I, I get the team around him stunk. He threw eight touchdown passes, and if you watched Cam throw the ball last year, it was almost hard to watch at times. So, yeah, I definitely think they're going to be aggressive. Which takes us into, uh, you know, which teams do you think are going to be the most aggressive moving up? And I'm, I'm underlining New England. I think you've got some others in mind. Well, I, I mentioned them earlier. If you can be quick here. I, I think New Orleans and Pittsburgh are, are two teams to watch. You know, both of them need quarterbacks long-term. Pittsburgh especially. And I think if, if you're the Steelers and one of these guys starts falling, whether it's Lance, whether it's Fields, you're not going to make some calls. Like, what do you have, Mason Rudolph next year? Right. I think you have to make those calls. So those are two teams. That, we're talking a big jump. Those would be big jumps. It's – there's, you know, a lot of people think that this draft, and you can speak to this better than me, Ram, because I'm sure you've talked to uh, a zillion more people than I've talked to, but they love the talent in this draft. Love it. Out, and we, you know, we had Carson Palmer uh, on a Zoom call last week, and he's like – Look, I would not take any of the quarterbacks in the first round, any of them, other you than Trevor, take Trevor Lawrence. Other than Trevor oh, Lawrence. Okay, okay, okay. He, he okay. thinks that Zach Wilson to the New York Jets is a straight disaster. Like, this, here's a guy you're going to dump well, him from BYU into New York in a bad organization. Ask him to step in and, and, and be your. He thinks it's going to be straight now, atrocious. And he hates Mac Jones. I, w- I will say this. I talked to someone who's been in the league for over 25 years as a personnel evaluator in, in many roles. And I, I can't really list them off or be very obvious what I'm talking about. Um, but someone who has a, a tremendous track record in the league. And then this conversation was, was a while ago. This conversation was after the Super Bowl, but, but a while ago. And we talked about the quarterbacks. And his belief was Lawrence is a bona fide style like everybody else feels, number one all the way. He likes Justin Fields a lot. Feels like Fields is a top five level pick. So the rest of these guys, 
wouldn't wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole. He said Lance is interesting, just hasn't played in really you know very much the last couple of years, so it's hard to say. So his, his opinion on Lance is kind of I just don't know what to make of him. But he's like that alone would make him at best a late first for me. He thinks Wilson's a second round pick all day long. He does not like Wilson in the first round. He feels like with him, um, you know, he goes, look, I, I just he goes, he was good for one year. He played a, a crappy schedule. He played behind a great offensive line. He's like, why? Why is he a, a number one pick all of a sudden? I, I'll tell you. I you know why? Because they look at him in a poor man's Patrick Mahomes. I think because he's this playmaker, right? He does. He 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 doesn't. He can make the unorthodox. Right. While you, play. I agree. With you. I agree. And and so that's. I think. But you know, that's that's all they're I looking mean, at. Trey. We, Trey. You go ahead. No, I was just saying, we didn't even talk about Mac Jones at the time, though. We even thought he was going to be a first round pick. We talked right. about Kyle Trask, who we thought was like a day two guy. And, but he was, he said, uh, he's like, look, Lawrence and Fields would be top five picks. Lawrence, number one for me. He goes, other than that, I wouldn't think any of these guys with, with a high pick. I mean, so Trey I, I don't think Palmer's out that far off. And Trey Lance is throwing, you know how many passes that dude's throwing in North Dakota State? Not a lot. Not a lot. 318 of them. Now he's got a 30 to one touchdown interception ratio. That's, fairly impressive uh but you know he he had he he didn't have a ton of pressure on him at all in in any way shape or form not just well, he's only he played pre- one game in two years right i mean so because of covid and everything else um the knock on fields is that he holds the ball too long for the record amongst them. look i i like him i'm gonna go off on a tangent with this and then we can just get back to center Lawrence is a guy that everybody should feel confident in. Now, whether or not he ends up panning out, whatever, but he's in that category of Elway, Manning, Luck, guys who you feel like are just absolute bona fide stars come into the league. The rest of these guys, we don't know how their careers are going to play out, but coming into the they're guys. And you have this weird dynamic on Twitter that everybody hates Mac Jones, which, by the way, Fine. Like, I don't. I don't care. I. I. He, I think he's going to get overdrafted too. But people are like falling over themselves to say how how bad Mac Jones is. But then also falling all over themselves to say how Justin Fields is like Johnny Unitas reincarnated. Look, Justin Fields might be great. He might suck. Like if Justin Fields keeps falling, there's a reason that he's falling. That doesn't mean it's the right reason. Like maybe he ends up proving everybody wrong. But I saw a tweet earlier that keeps getting retweeted, and people are like. Patrick Mahomes fell. Patrick Mahomes absolutely did not fall. In no way, shape, or form did he fall. He was he was thought by a million people inside the league to be a massive reach by Kansas City when they took him at 10. A massive reach. Okay. Now, guys who have fallen, Josh Rosen, he fell. Okay. Nobody thought he should be 10th. They thought he should be higher than that. Okay. Sam Darnold, even though he was three, a lot of people thought it should have been one. Okay, he fell a couple of Brady Quinn fell. Now, there are certainly arguments for guys like Aaron Rodgers who fell, who have had great careers. My point is, like, you get this draft group think with people where, well, this guy, I think he's terrible. Oh, I, I too think he's terrible. Well, wait a minute. I want to tell you even louder that I think he's terrible. And then there's the opposite, of course, where everybody thinks the guy's great. Other than Lawrence in this draft, I would argue that any of these quarterbacks, you are closing your eyes and throwing a dart at the board and hoping it works. And frankly, what's going to determine how well it works is who's coaching him, who's who's catching the ball, 
What scheme are they in? How healthy are they? I mean, that kind of stuff matters so much more than people think it does. Not just for quarterbacks, but anywhere, but especially for quarterbacks. If you go to the right system, you have the right coaching, the right players around you, you're probably going to be pretty good. And by the way, Baker Mayfield is a walking case study in that. He was awful with Freddie Kitchens. The second Kevin Stefanski got there, they went to the divisional round. No question. I, I, there's, I was doing a Zoom last night with two former Bears, and that, they underlined that to the 10th power. System, coaching, having people around you who know what they're doing and know how to maximize someone's talent. You're good at this. That stuff is huge. Whereas you get a lot of coaches like, this is what I want to do. Can you do it? No matter what, uh, you know, the pieces are around you. And that's a recipe for disaster. Don't forget that a year ago, everybody thought the Chargers were nuts for taking Justin Herbert at six. Me included, okay? Everybody thought they were crazy. And that Tua was this massive bargain at five. Tua stunk last year. And Herbert was unbelievable. So, like, look, and that doesn't mean Tua is not going to be good this year. But the point is, everyone thought Tua was going to come out and be great. He wasn't. He was getting benched on a weekly basis for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Justin Herbert was out there slinging it around. It looked incredible. So, like, the, the reality is nobody really knows what these guys are going to be. And I think when you look at this draft, the guys who everyone feels are like, slam, like true slam dunks, Lawrence, Pitts, maybe Jamar Chase. That's it. Let me tell you something. The one thing that I did absolutely know without any question of a doubt, when the Bears traded up one pick to get Mitchell Trubisky, I absolutely knew that 100% that guy was going to suck. You came to the worst organization as far – and Jim McMahon, I'm with you, as far as quarterbacks going to die, kind of, not really, but somewhat. And you were putting him with John Fox for a year, who we all knew was going to get fired, and then you're going to bring in – coach to be you only had John Fox because you hired a GM and you thought he was too young so we got to bring in the veteran I mean the whole thing was a nightmare so that one I knew Verteram uh, even though I fine you're right I didn't exactly know but I would have bet a lot of money that they had blown it when you didn't take the guy who was 28 and 2 at Clemson even though things have gone a little bit sideways for Deshaun Watson this offseason a little bit uh, obviously a little bit understated all right hey top five picks this draft Verteram how do you think it goes I think it's fairly straightforward other than three. Uh, and, of course, we're, you know, listen, trade happens, it'll blow it up, whatever. But I think we're looking at Lawrence, Zach Wilson. I think they're going to take Jones at three. I really do. And oh I, I think I think that's just an abominable decision, but I think they're going to do it. And then Pitts at four, Chase at five. Um, I think that's the way we're rolling. You're sure that they're going Chase over Sewell? Not sure, but I, I think that's how it's going to go, and I think the Dolphins take Sewell at six. Okay, if I'm Cincinnati, I'm gonna as much as Joe Burrow wants to play with Jamar Chase, I'm I'm gonna protect him before I'm gonna get him. I would too, but I think they're gonna take Jamar Chase. And I I don't think they're taking Mac Jones. I I kind of think that the Niners come to their senses a little bit and say, you know what, Justin Fields, we're gonna roll with you, uh, but. I'm believing the Trey Lance rumors that are seemingly growing by the day here. So uh, it'll be really, that third pick is super interesting and there'll be talked about a lot on draft. Night. The, That'll the be a process lot is just a full on disaster. 
Well, it's like, really it's just it's just bizarre. Like if you're giving up three huge picks to move up to number three, you would think, you know, it, I just you would think it would have been out there. You Niners have to, are the Niners are taking whoever. You have to know if you're the 49ers and you make that trade, you have to know who you're taking. There has to be organizational conviction behind who you're taking. And for Kyle Shanahan yesterday on Monday, for those listening to the pod, okay, for Kyle Shanahan to get up there and just go, well, we'd be happy with five different guys there. Then you shouldn't have made that trade. Like well, the idea that anybody's worth all that capital is nuts. That's not true at all. Like, that's crazy. And I, 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 my feeling, and I don't know this for a fact, my feeling would happen. They went up to get Mac Jones. They have seen the vitriol toward them locally, nationally, if they do this. And now some people up top are starting to get some cold feet about it. That, that's my opinion. Could be wrong. Totally my opinion, but that's what I think. Not a bad take. I mean, I'm on the other side of they know exactly what they've, they're doing. They're, they've, they've known it all along, and they're just playing it coy so nobody steps Why? in. But what is the upside of that? Well, they're, they don't want it. I, 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 Who the hell is going to pick ahead of them? The, right. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Like, why Why would? Why do you have to do that when we absolutely 100% know who's going one and two? So your theory makes a whole lot more sense here. But I, for whatever reason, uh, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. You really? You made that trade. And even to your point, like, you made the trade for Mac Jones and now people are saying that they don't like the pick and you're going to let the public sway you? Look, man. That's I, not, I, you can't run your own crazy, like that. But you and I both know one thing that's true from working in this business for a long enough time, you longer than I. Okay. Teams love to come out and say, you know, the media doesn't, you know, we don't, we don't care about what the media thinks. They're so full of shit. That's they, true. They absolutely, look. These teams love to tell you, oh, we don't read the press clippings. They read everything. Everything. I would, look, if I had a nickel for every time, either someone in the league has been like, hey, read something over at Fansided, or hey, um, saw an article, or we get an email from from someone in the team who said, hey, read this thing, either liked it, don't like it, whatever. That happens all the time. All the time. And we're you know, listen. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to lie to myself. Are we ESPN? No, but we're a mid mid sized media outlet, again, growing. But you know, my point is, these teams absolutely know, and they hear it on the radio, and they see it on television, and they read it on the internet, and they read it in the newspaper. And the idea that these teams just don't care what anybody thinks is a joke. They absolutely care. Of course, they care. Well, you're right. They do. My the best story I have around that is not from the NFL, but it's the, do you know the Sean Kemp, Scotty Pippen trade? Have you ever vaguely, heard that? Vaguely. Well, the, that deal was done before the bulls won their second three Pete Pippen was traded to Seattle for Sean Kemp. The bulls general manager, Jerry Cross was so incredibly excited about it. And so were the supersonics because they knew that Kemp was not the most focused person off the court and had a little bit of a drinking issue, but the uh, uh, David Kaplan, who I've done radio with, who's been in Chicago forever, Mr. Media, he's in an elevator. He sees some agent, and the guy's like, well, I'm going to be seeing a whole lot more of you. And he's like, why is that? Well, my client just got traded to Chicago. He's like, are you serious? Yes. It, long story, somewhat short. Cap goes on the radio, reports that the Bulls are trading Pippen to the Sonics for Sean Kemp. Seattle goes absolutely berserk. 
and the owner gets wind of it like, uh-uh, our fans don't like it. This trade ain't happening. So the trade got canceled out. George Carl and Because Seattle's went, fan base didn't want to do it? Seattle's fan base went nuts, and the owner got cold feet. So wow. The, the, That's great. I didn't know that. Yep. That's – and so it's – there's but, there's there's right. one th- piece. That of, happens. Yep. Like, no, it does. So, so, so I could – Maybe you're right. Maybe I could you're definitely right. see a scenario where the 49ers got leaked out to, hey, yeah, Mac Jones. And people in San Francisco are like, I'm sorry, what now? Who are we taking? Are you kidding me? And, I, and again, I don't know this for fact. It's just an opinion. But I could definitely see Jed York walking down the hallway and going, I'm, uh, guys, our Q rating's about negative eight right now. Uh, you sure you want him? Why don't you look at the film again? I mean, I. I'm not, again, you don't know who knows, but that stuff does happen. It happens because teams care how they're covered. They absolutely do. It makes more sense than anything else. So I listen, that very well could be what's, what's going on here. Let's move to uh, the Las Vegas Raiders who uh, are picking number 17. You love the Raiders, Vertoram. You always want to throw them on the rundown. What do you think the Raiders should do? Some people think, Hey, Enough with the Derek Carr. At least let's let's, let's get all Green Bay-esque and, and draft his replacement, even though he ain't no Aaron Rodgers no, over there. Listen, but I, I, I don't th- I think you draft somebody to protect him. That would be me. You've you've gutted your offensive line, and there's a ton of talented players available that uh, the Raiders could choose from, including Oklahoma State, maybe Tevin Jenkins. I don't know. That's what I would do. It's a good call. It's a good call. You could absolutely do it. I almost think they should take another corner. I know they took Damon Arnett last year. That has not gone perfectly to this point. Um, I would I would take another one. They need they need to be able to stop somebody, and they cannot do it right now. They have no defense outside of Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. That is it. There's not one other guy in that defense. You go, he's good. And other guys are okay, but there's not anybody who's a plus plus player. And even Ngakwe and Crosby, like, I like them, but neither one of them are going all pro here. Like it's it, it's a huge need. But it's not a bad call to say offensive line after what happened this uh, offseason. I mean, you can't win if you can't protect, right? So, I don't know. That's that's how I would look at it if I were the Raiders. Let's do our in or out here. I love this one. We'll see a sixth quarterback go in the first round. So, you've already got Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Fields, and Jones going in the first round. Nobody would be – people would be surprised if it didn't go that way. Right. But then you're wondering – would a Kellen Mond, a Davis Mills, a Jamie Newman, a Kyle Trask. I don't see anybody who jumps up into this that could actually somehow entice someone to go in the first round. So I'm out, but maybe you're going differently. I'm out too, but you do hear this stuff with Davis and Mond. Like, I think teams are insane to do that, but could I see a team who might say, ah, we're going to take him early second. And he's, ah, you know what? Let's trade up to 31 or 32 and get that 50 year option. That stuff matters. So, I'm out because I don't think any of those guys are even worth an early second round pick. I don't even know if they ever worth the second round pick, period. Um, but I know better than to just think that it's impossible because you see it happen all the time. Jamie Newman's an interesting name to me. He was going to be the start. Georgia brings him over from Wake Forest. He was going to be their starting quarterback. He opts out for COVID, had a nice career at Wake Forest. That, I, 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 would, be, I would be interested in Newman's in the later rounds. Not obviously in the first round or anywhere close to it, really. And Kyle Trask, I mean, you go back a year ago, he was a first-round guy. 
he's no different. He's still just as big and has uh, the touch to certainly play the position. Uh, he, to me, looks like a guy who at, at bare minimum could be a solid career backup. I, I, I wouldn't be if unhappy. I wouldn't hate if my team took him in the third, fourth, fifth round. Okay. No? I mean, mid-round, mid no, I got no problem with mid-round. I think you take any of those other quarterbacks in the top 60, 70 picks, I think I feel like it's a reach. Yeah, no, okay, I, and, I, and I agree with that, but and I sort of just dovetailed a little bit different here as far as late-round quarterbacks. There's, there's some interesting options out there. Uh, the Bears will pick 20th overall in or out. Go ahead. I want to hear your Bears take. Okay. I think they're going to trade. Uh, if if one of these quarterbacks gets out of like the top like six picks, seven picks, because I think Pace knows it's his job. It's his job. They're not. He's not keeping his job. Fan Dalton play seventeen games for the next year. See, I don't even know. Bears ownership loves Ryan Pace so much; it's frightening. So, if they win eight games this year, even seven. I think he's I, somehow. I think he's still okay. Uh, I, I'm going to be out just uh, for my lack of confidence in the Bears doing anything interesting. You, you. I mean, you're, their their off season is just a straight disaster. You lose Kyle Fuller, Desmond Trufant. You bring in who's most injury prone dude ever. Uh, you you go out and 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 say, you know what? Yeah, uh, we're going to go get our. QB one and Andy Dalton and tell our social media people to do that. I just, the way their off season has gone, I just expect them to sit there at 20. Like we, we went out and we, we, we got the best player out of the board. And we really think this is going to be a top 10 guy. That's what, that's what I think is going on. Um, so, uh, they'll stay at 20. The dolphins Verderam will become a playoff team with this draft in or out. I, I think I'm in on this. Although I am tempted to be out because if two is not good, none of it matters. Um, but I'm in because I do believe in the front office there. I know they've cut some of their more high-profile free agents recently, but they've done a nice job in the, in the overall scope of things building the team. And I think overall, the Dolphins, listen, I don't love what the Pats did this offseason. They did a ton, and they did nothing at the same time. The Jets are the Jets until proven otherwise. The Steelers have regressed. The Ravens have taken steps back. I mean, I don't know how that's even an arguing point at this juncture. So they have a lot of picks. Two firsts, two seconds. They got a lot. I mean, the Dolphins should really be able to nail this. I've talked to a lot of people around the league. 75 seems to be the cutoff point where the, the draft is expected to kind of take a dive. They got a lot of top 75 picks. Like Miami should have no problem getting some very good players in this draft. I've also seen reports that people think that the draft takes a significant dive from 19 after 19, which is a great place for the Bears to be picking 20. Um, so for whatever that's for I listen, uh, I'm out on the Dolphins because I'm out on Tua. I that situation you look at last year i mean ryan fitzpatrick put him in the mix uh, a lot more than i you know if he's not there they ain't where they end up being so now you're relying on two a whole lot more and i just don't see it so even if they have a great draft they ain't they ain't picking a quarterback and i just can't see it for him so i'll be out 
Let's go to the QB for our last one here. Trevor Lawrence will be the only star quarterback from this draft. Verderam. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Big comment. I, I, I just don't. Look, these guys just get so overdrafted, man. If their talent level commensurate to their position and it was was the same, and they played tight end, these guys like most of these guys would be like day two picks. But they're they're quarterbacks. I think you're going to get Lawrence as a true star, and you'll get one other good quarterback out of that group. History says about one draft or one one quarterback per draft is is terrific typically, and then there's usually at least you know one other who's a good solid player. So I think Lawrence is the star. And then who's the other? You know, I think somebody will be good. If I had to guess, I think it'll be Fields. But that I think you one other guy who's good, and the other three will be complete. You know, they'll they'll be on another team for the second contract. See, I don't know who it's going to be, but I, I'll say there's going to be two stars from this one because a lot of people are high on Wilson. A lot of people are high on Lance. You've got the Fields crowd, and. Maybe Mac Jones is just that guy that, you know, everybody is sleeping on right now. And people think that because he had a great receiving crew at Alabama, he won't be able to do it in the NFL. And and he's certainly not fleet of foot, but he, you know, he's the most accurate guy, which is not exactly a bad, uh, bad trait. Now he did have again, receivers making him look good on that accuracy. So I don't know. And then there's the sleepers of does Mon Mills, Newman trash somebody in that, in the back end, all of a sudden, become a star very 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 unlikely on that side but i'll go with two i think there will be two this is a very interesting quarterback draft for we made it what's going on other than the draft in your life so i think it has to be said the a's are rolling they've won 14 out of 15 after starting one and seven they started one and seven and we're not yet to the end of april and they are tied for the best record in baseball which is I think mathematically impossible, and yet it's happened. So big, big shout out to the Oakland A's for getting the job done. One, two to one last night in Tampa. Happy about that. Looking good. And even though they lost last night, the Knicks car, nine in a row, they played the Suns, and they played them really well. They were right in the game. Randall had a bad game by his standards. They didn't have Alec Burks, who's been essential for them off the bench this year. And yet – Derek Rose almost led them to a win. He went for 22, six and six. He was great. And Thibodeau finally has realized that Alfred Payton sucks. And, and even though he's still starting him for reasons that remain unclear, he is, he is benching him in the fourth quarter and letting Derek Rose run the team in the fourth quarter. And it has made a, a wonderful difference as, as we get ready for the bulls on Wednesday night at the garden. Ah, there we go. You know, D. Rose, for the record, he had a bad shooting night last night, and he shot 55% from the field. He was 10 for 18. Before that, 7 to 10, 8 to 12, 8 He's to 12. He's been unbelievable. It's un- the dude is shooting 60% in now his last six games, uh, which is – and for the it's- month – no, he started out terribly. He had a one for 10 against Dallas. That did not help. So he's just, he's just sitting at 49. Um, but he has been red hot as of his last six games playing great basketball. I am shocked. I'll be honest. I am shocked how explosive he is. I always thought after the knee injuries that he just couldn't move anymore. I mean, he, he, do, he doesn't have the bounce, but he still has the shake. He's incredible at getting into the paint. Does it at, at will. Whenever he wants to get to the rim, he does it. Yep. I mean, he can't throw it down like he used to, but he can no, still he can no. still shake you. It's not it's, not a dunker anymore, but still can. He's got a little floater. 
Yeah, you know, he can you can still shoot. His vision is ridiculous. Like, I I have so much appreciation now for his vision after watching Alfred Payton play. <laughs> like, Derek Rose sees everybody all the time. I, and that right now, like, I know a lot of Nick fans are excited about Emmanuel quickly, and I am too. But to me, quickly is like a two guard from heaven. He can shoot the lights out. He can get inside, gets to the line. He's an okay pass. I mean, like the vision thing is where I think quickly kind of lacks. Where Rose just sees everyone all the time. It's it, incredible. It's funny that you say that because you just made me think of being humble brag here, I guess, a little bit. But I remember being in the locker with him, locker room with him before a game, and he's watching some highlights. You know, getting ready for the game, and. He sees some dude who doesn't, you know, throw a pass to someone who was open on the break, but it wasn't that obvious that the guy was open, like at least to me. And he's watching. He's like, "Come on, dude! Like, like how? Like how do you not give that up? Because you know, he's he just was seeing it in a different way, even even on like a you know replay, just getting ready for a game, just watching on TV way that I was like, you have a a different idea of what's possible because uh, you understand basketball at a savant level that that others don't." Guy, yeah, I, I I love Derek. I love that he's. I think I've said that a thousand times. I'm, I love that he's having success. Um, all right, Verum, I got two things for you. What do you Number got? one, what shot are you getting today? Moderna, second one. Okay, so I didn't think it was going to impact me, but we had a bunch of interviews last Thursday, so I moved it. I was supposed to have it in the morning. I moved it to the afternoon, and then we had Bobby and Toby Boban. Maranovich and Tobias Harris on Friday. I'm like, yeah, that'll be no problem in the afternoon. I was under the covers in just absolute dread, did not want to move. So good luck. And I, I never, I was, these things don't bother me. I I'm, you know, every time I go to the Dodgers, do you have this, do you have this? No, no, no. I've been knock on wood. I've been very lucky, but it, it knocked me. So good luck. And then I I take you to recover like 24 hours. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Maybe a little bit more than that. And then, but I had some really weird nights of sleep where I just, I don't sweat in my sleep, but like I, I was drenching the bed two nights. I'm like, what, what you is going yourself? on? No, not, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately not. But I mean, just, just sweating. Like I was, you know, in a sauna, I'm like, what's going on here, Moderna. And then last night I had a moment of sheer panic where I thought I had like a weight on my chest and, and good old Chelsea, my beautiful, my beautiful wife was saying, you're either A, having anxiety, and or B, you're not dying. Relax. And I I was like, can I please have some tea? <laughs> you know, I, 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 it, it, that, that second vaccine shook me just for a minute or two, but I, I'm feeling When did you now. get it? I got it on Thursday afternoon. Okay. So we're okay. at Tuesday. I mean, I feel fine, but I'm having like these weird sort of like maybe it's a mental thing. I don't know. Um, so there's that. The other thing on this field, I'm just going to start this right now on April yep. 27th. Chris Bryant, for some reason, the Cubs don't view him as worth paying long term. The dude's in a contract here. He's playing phenomenal baseball. He was the rookie of the year. He was the MVP. He yeah, won a world. What's that? I don't get any of that. Why the Cubs won't pay him. I just don't <laughs> understand it. He plays left. He plays right. He plays first. He's a very good third baseman. He was playing third and threw the ball across the diamond when you won your first World Series in 108 years. He kisses babies. He's never been in trouble in his life. I don't get it. 
I just don't get it. And he's having a great year and you pay him now. Um, he's in Boris is his agent and that hasn't been, but Brian says he's in control. May, this just doesn't, I, I hate it. I mean, I but really, at least they pay Jason Hayward and you Darvish. Right, 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 right. That was right. huge. Yeah. Cause different. what would they have done without Jason Hayward talking during a rain delay? That was a big moment though. In Jay Hayes <laughs> career. On, uh, I always love that. Some guys like, well, you know, he really pumped everybody up once. Like he hit 230. You know what would have been great? If he just hit the damn ball, okay? They would have been better. Like you, you get that a lot out of Oakland. Like some guy, it's like, well, you know, he's an emotional leader. Who cares? Well, it, form. Yes, but in, the, in this case, I think they actually needed it. That team was absolutely straight shook after the Rajay Davis bomb off of Araldis. These guys we can, were. Uh, we can leave it here. Because game seven, you were at the game, correct? I was. Okay. So you're at the game. I was at AJ Hudson's, which is a, a bar, a pub in Chicago. I yeah. was with our old friend, Mike Dice. Right. And our, and our wives, who I think were our fiancés at the time. But in any event, uh, they were our fiancés. In any event, everybody's going crazy, right? And like, as you know, I, I'm an Oakland A's fan, but like, what the hell, right? Uh, her whole, my <laughs> Steph's whole family, they root for the Cubs. I have like a Cubs windbreaker. I'm like, I'll throw it on, whatever, root for the Cubs. <laughs> so we're there and of course, I'm not nearly as you know, emotionally invested as everyone else is there. And everyone's like basically partying as this game is going on. Because now here's Chapman and it's four to one. And like nobody seemed nervous when Davis was up because Davis is just not a power hitter at all. So it's like, oh, worst case, what's he going to do? Hit a little slap single? Fine. I have never heard a place so quiet in my life as to when <laughs> he hit that ball out to left it. I mean, it went from a party to like the silence you would hear. It was more silent than a funeral. Like no one was make it. It was like no one was breathing, and no one made a sound for about five minutes. <laughs> I, I'm sitting there at the game with uh, a guy by the name of Kevin Powell who was covering with me. I know Kevin. Yeah, and and, and you know he he's a he's a Sox fan. But he's, you know, trying to support or whatever. And it's 5-1. He's like, dude, they're gonna do it. I'm like, you don't know this team. It's not over. Quit being you're 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 doing everything wrong right now. And when Davis hit the homer, I I literally was thinking about killing him because I <laughs> like like I and you know, as it went along in the ninth inning before the rain delay, uh I I I was seriously just trying to brace myself for this is going to be the worst one of them all. And I was 11 and 84 when they went up two games to none on the yeah. Padres. And that series was over 2003, the series with the Marlins before Bartman happened. That series was absolutely over. They were, they had just, they had beaten the Braves and they were, they were killing the Marlins. Nobody respected the Marlins at all. But this was going to be a thousand times worse. Uh, and, and I honestly think the baseball gods looked at it and saw the bar that you were at AJ Hutt's like straight, like these people can't take it. We can't do it to them. <laughs> like, I don't think I, it, it was, it would have, I don't think we could have survived, but I was packing up my stuff like computer and, and whatever else as Kipnis is at the plate. And he, and from my vantage point, he, the ball went foul on the right field line, but I, I thought he had hit it out. Um, and like the, the, the Glenbrook North, which is a suburb, a suburban high school in Chicago, like the Glenbrook North kid who grew up as a White Sox fan, hit the bomb in game seven to win it. Like I, that story was playing in my head. Um, and but 
it went foul, way foul, and didn't have the yeah. distance either. Yeah. And the Cubs won the World Series. Signed Chris Bryant. That was a fun one today, Vera Ram. Yeah. Uh, good. We'll be back good. after the draft. Well, actually, we're going to be back with a bonus episode tomorrow with George Kittle. Oh, that's right. We, we, talk, we have an we're interview. We're talking to George Kittle. Tight end of the point. We really buried that lead, but we're talking to George Kittle. So we will have a, a little uh, bonus mini episode, but then we will be back next week to talk all things draft. We got a lot. I'll tell you this. We have, and we will talk about this at the top of the next show for people who have tuned out at this point, but we have a lot of interviews coming up. Juju Smith-Schuster, Mac Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo is a lot going on. Yep. Yep. We're busy and uh, we appreciate everybody listening as per always. And uh Yep. Still thinking about you and your family, Vertoramis, uh, we, you know, and, and your son, Ben, um, and all of that as well as we come on out here. Still, thank you. I, I, I'm I, looking I, at a picture of him right now. There, there, there you go, baby. Um, so yeah, prayers up there and have a great vaccine today, buddy. Enjoy the golf course. Thank shoot you. That, well shoot that 94 to 97. I want to report on Twitter after the, after you, after the old, uh, experience there. Right? We'll see how things play out. We'll see. <laughs> Could be like 184 as I, I have like a fever dream on the back nine. We'll see. You'll be great. The ne- tomorrow though, George Kittle. I, not, I, I, that's gonna be interesting. That'll be interesting. We'll see yeah. you next time.